The bond market is behaving in a highly unusual way, so it's time to start paying close attention again. Now, what normally happens after a big rally is that the market will pause and reassess the situation. Interest rates, after dropping sharply, will go sideways to slightly higher, and in some cases substantially higher, over a period of several months. Now, we actually had a huge rally at the end of 2023, a near historic run, and so we expected early 2024 to be consistent with that historical pattern, where rates after plunging to the end of December last year would go slightly higher, sideways, maybe substantially higher, over the first couple months of 2024. And the way the year began, that pattern seemed to be playing out. But over the last week, it appears as if rates are ready to start going lower all over again after only, well, actually less than a month since the end of the last rally. So not only would that cut against the historical context and pattern, it's also, as I talked about in yesterday's video, in the face of a tremendous deluge of supply, an ongoing deluge from the Treasury Department itself. So with those two factors, the market may be uh, betraying the historical pattern as well as in the face of all this Treasury supply, we have to ask, this highly unusual behavior, what is actually behind it? Before we get to some answers on that question, let's back up and do the historical review because I think it's important here. I'm gonna talk about a couple of cases when the market rallied and then there was a pause. And these are some of the shorter cases, hopefully so that we can make some comparisons then to now to see if we can't figure some of these things out. And we'll start out with the first one, 2019, the last cycle we went through these, the same type of behavior. And we had a major rally, the landmine as I call it, at the end of 2018 during what we call Euro dollar number four. That was November and December of 2018, lasting until the early couple days, first few days of 2019. And then right afterward, you had that pause, slight backup, but it didn't last all that long. The 10-year treasury had gotten as high as 3.24% as of November 8, 2018, and it rallied down to 256 on January 3rd, 2019. The two-year went from 298 to 239. So these were substantial enough rallies. And then the 10-year backed up to 278 again by January 18th. The two years at 262. And from there, rates kind of just went sideways until early March. And then the second leg of the rally was on. And uh, not coincidentally, not long after that second leg of the rally began, the Federal Reserve was cutting interest rates. And by September of 2019, of course, they were doing QE again. Of course, they said, don't, don't call it QE. We're not going to call it QE. There's just a bunch of stuff in the repo market. And we're trying to do something about that. But we all know it was QE. So the market had anticipated, not what the Federal Reserve was going to do, that's part of it, but the market had anticipated the conditions in the monetary system and the global economy, which would lead the Fed to rate cuts and QEs. And it wasn't just the Fed of the United States. Same thing took shape all across the global bond market. In Europe, rates were synchronized in Europe to US treasuries. The European economy looked incredibly weak, heading toward recession. And of course, the ECB, which had wanted to end its QE, had to actually restart it again by September of 2019. So globally synchronized bond yields, bond movements, but in, the, in our, what we're looking at here, we had a rally in bonds under 2018, and then that very short, side, more sideways pause period 
right afterward. Then, of course, the big rally after that and the rate cuts and all the central bank action. The other case I want to bring up is one I talk about, I have talked talked about pretty frequently, and that's 2011, euro dollar number two. We had a huge rally in, in uh, euro dollar number two in the middle of 2011, unexpected, of course, because there was a global liquidity crisis going on at the same time. It wasn't European sovereign debt crisis. That was simply the spark that lit the repo collateral shortage that became this euro dollar number two. So you had rates that had been going up since the end of the Great Recession, although 2010 was back and forth. And remember, interest rates, the interest rate fallacy, interest rates go the opposite direction of what you're told to believe. Higher bond yields are a good sign, especially after a tremendous period like 2008, 2009, where everything looked really bad because it was really bad. But from rates that are really low, we want them to go higher. That higher would be normal. Higher would be recovery. And so bond yields that were back and forth through 2010 into early 2011, at least they were moving in the right direction. Higher is the right direction. But in February of 2011, bond yields began to move lower again. So February 8th, the 10-year U.S. Treasury was 375. And by July, of, July 27th of 2011, it got down to 301. So a substantial rally through the first half of 2011. The two-year Treasury from February 8th to July 27th went from 86 basis points down to 44 basis points. And then the big historic move at that point. From July 27th, really over the next couple of weeks, yields just plunged because again, Falling interest rates are a bad, bad sign. And during that plunge, we had the Federal Reserve talking about doing bailouts of markets like repo or restarting all of their emergency funding programs that didn't work in 2011 again, just a couple years after the crisis had ended and after doing two QEs in between. So market rates plunge, coincident to liquidity crisis, rates going down, not a good sign. But after that plunge, we get to September of 2011, September 22nd, which is when the Fed came out with its Operation Twist genius idea, that at least caused some, some it caused the beginning of this pause period. The rally ended in September 22nd, on September 22nd, 2011. By then the 10 year was all the way down to 172. But from there over the next month or so, rates backed up pretty sharply. The 10 year got up to 242. The two year went from just 16 basis points on September, 20, uh, September 22nd to 31 basis points by October 27th. But after that initial month move, which was a pretty sharp move, rates went back down again afterward as the central bank world tried to sort out the growing monetary crisis that was sweeping throughout the system. It was starting to cause economic issues that we could see, especially in Europe, because that's where much of this was focused. And interest rates were sideways for several months there before the next leg lower in the middle of 2012. You see a lot of similarities here between what happened in 2011 and what might be shaping up 2023 into 2024, assuming, of course, that interest rates continue on the short-run move that they're on. I mean, that's the full caveat here, that any kind of short-run move can be no, might be nothing more than a random fluctuation. But the rally that's going on in the bond market, the nascent possible rally that's going on in the bond market, has lasted over the last week or so. And again, today got a huge boost. So we have to wonder, after just a short period of time pausing between from the, from the end of the last rally, 
what might be causing renewed interest in safety and liquidity. Now, before we get to answering those questions, what's going on today and, and figuring out what might be happening in the bond market and why that's important, I do want to announce that Eurodollar University will be having a webinar that will be Monday, February 19th, President's Day. Come celebrate President's Day with a Eurodollar University webinar. However, we haven't decided on a topic and we wanted to enlist your help in figuring out what we should talk about on February 19th. So let us know in the comments what topic you would like to like us to cover, as well as maybe what guests we could invite to, to bring on and talk about what it is that you think is the most important issue facing the monetary world, the investment world, bond markets, all of that stuff. So let us know if there's a particular topic or a particular guest you'd like us to have. February 19th, 6.30 p.m., another Eurodollar University webinar. There is a link in the description if you want to sign up early. So let's, let's, let's go over where we are in the marketplace right now. So we had a huge rally from the middle part of October 2023 until December 27th. The 10-year went from 498 down to 379, which was a huge move. There had only been six other moves that far, that short, in that short period of time before what we just witnessed. And we expected rates to go up and continue to do so over the next couple of months. But since January 24th, Long-term rates in particular, 10-year treasury, the 30 years, the five-year, the seven-year, that part of the curve has gotten lots more buying interest. The 10-year, which had been 418 on January 24th, as of today, has been as low as 394. We're back under 4% again. And the question is, again, of course, this fast, this quickly after the end of the last rally, that seems to be, if it continues this way, outside the historical norm because it's only been a month. The only thing, the only one that was even close to this type of situation or what might be unfolding here was that, that early, early pause stage in the 2011 case where you had the sharp, sharp drop in rates and then they backed up really sharply, but only for about a month or so before going back lower. In this case, in the current instance, we have the sharp rally. It wasn't quite as big as 2011, but still a relatively, a really sharp rally. And then rates didn't really move all that much since that low from what were we, we were under 380 on the 10 year to just 418 as the most recent high. 30 basis points, not a whole lot of a move here, especially after such a big rally in bonds. And of course the, the two year treasury, which is one we continue to watch, that one today back below 422. So a couple of potential serious signals here, which suggest that at least in the short run, there's a possibility that we're breaking out of the historical context. And that would be, as I mentioned at the beginning, highly unusual. So the similarities with 2011, not just in the terms of the bond market pattern, but you also have to wonder if there are any monetary difficulties in addition to the economic difficulties, which are much clearer to see, at least outside the United States at the moment. So for thinking about potential reasons why we would the bond market might be breaking with its historical pattern, there are a number of potential suspects here, of course. There's always a variety of reasons. I mean, we've got China's liquidation or China's Evergrande liquidation that could potentially spill over into other issues there. China's, econ China's economic situation, which still isn't good despite Beijing's best efforts. So there's lots of stuff there. 
We'll get to Europe in just a moment because at least the European economic statistics show you what what the downside case might actually look what might actually be looking like and as it unfolds here. We also have to keep in mind monetary issues, which we'll, we're not going to go over here today. This, these deserve another video. There was news, sharp drop in shares of New York Community Bank Corp, which just so happened to be the bank that bought all the deposits from Signature Bank. So the forgotten, rotten banking system, the banking crisis, could be reigniting. Don't, don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. That's a possibility. We'll see where that goes. Also, in the latest statistics from the Federal Reserve on the U.S. banking system, an unnerving surge in cash hoarding among U.S. banks, including a huge $81.6 billion increase the week of January 17th, which is the latest statistics that we have. And since the end of August, banks have hoarded $413 billion in additional cash. You wonder what it is they're actually preparing for. That, of course, is not a good sign, and it would be consistent with lower bond yields, which are also not a good sign. Uh, some future concerns to worry about in the monetary system along the lines of Treasury Department issuance, in addition to giving us the schedule for notes and coupons that are going to be auctioned off over the quarters ahead, Treasury also said they're going to be cutting back on bill issuance by a couple hundred billion that's going to be fun. So we have that to look forward to. Now, I don't think that's necessarily what's plaguing the market right now and forcing rates to go lower. But that's something we're going to have to keep in mind. And you can't discount that as people rationally in the marketplace look ahead to potential rough spots and dangers. That's, that's definitely one to keep an eye on. But in terms of the real economy, the best place to look and to look forward from is Europe. The Europeans reported GDP for the fourth quarter of 2023, and while they avoided a recession, at least they avoided a technical recession, their plight actually illustrates the level of weakness that goes unappreciated, at least in public discourse. Not necessarily the marketplace, though. So Eurostat announced that for the fourth quarter, GDP was very slightly positive, up at a 0.12% annual rate quarter over quarter in the fourth quarter. And over the last five quarters, there hasn't been this, the type of negative GDP number that everybody would say, okay, yes, this is a recession. Nor has there been two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. So we can't meet the, the, the technical definition of recession. So as far as most people are concerned, including ECB officials and politicians in the media, they can avoid using the R word. But while they avoid, avoid using that term, it absolutely applies because when you look at European GDP, though there's no big negative quarter, even though there wasn't two straight quarters of negative GDP, the economy there is clearly within a recession. Over the last five quarters, you have basically zero growth, 0.03% increase in real GDP, not 0.3%, 0.03, basically zero for five consecutive quarters. That meets every definition of recession from a common sense perspective, which, of course, politicians and central bank bankers don't practice. So Europe has been in an unrecognized, and sorry, Emil, silent recession that, that is definitely recognized and priced into the global bond market for a couple big reasons. Number one, 
Global bonds nailed this recession in Europe because remember, when did the curves actually start to invert in Europe and go nuclear, that inversion? During this fourth quarter of 2022, right when GDP suddenly stopped. So even though GDP is sideways, sideways is a substantial contraction, especially for a period lasting five quarters. That's a substantial recession. So the bond market is already thinking, okay, we got that weakness, but Europe's weakness isn't so unique. It's not an outlier. It's essentially on the same spectrum as everyone else, if further along in that process, a lot further along and a lot weaker in that process. So in a globally synchronized bond market, looking at a globally synchronizing global economy, the fact that Europe is already in recession and more importantly, just proved that it can't get out of it. After five quarters, not only are they still in this recession, all the forward indicators look like it's going to continue at the very least. At the very best, it continues in the same way with a lot of forward indicators saying there's more downside in worse periods, worse quarters yet to come. So for the global bond market factoring the economic background behind all of this, you look to Europe and you say, yeah, this makes sense because Europe is proving that we're still in a cycle. We still haven't got to the worst part of it yet. That is still in front of us. Even the U.S. and its massive GDP in the second half of last year has to contend with that kind of downside and maybe a more immediate development of that downside. We see that in European yields, including German, German rates. The German rates follow very closely with their treasury counterparts because, again, globally synchronized. Just to give you some numbers here to finish up, the German 10-year got down as, as low as 195 on December 28th. So that was the low of the rally. Got up to around 238 uh, a week ago, and already it's back to 216. The German two-year, again, we want to watch the two-year, got as low as 234 December 28th, moved back to 266. So a pretty substantial pause and back up there. And already 240, and today some, some, uh, some spots under 240. So again, globally synchronized bond market. But a globally synchronized bond market that seems to be, maybe, breaking with the historical pattern. And if it's breaking with the historical pattern after such a short and relatively slim back up in rates, this pause period, what is that actually telling us about the circumstances that the bond market must be the bond market must be perceiving that maybe we can't from our own perspective, certainly United States after these GDP quarters uh, to end 2023. So if we're at at the very least the short end of the historical range for these retracement periods, what does that tell us if we're turning around already? Are there economic issues heating up like we see in Europe or potentially in the U.S. labor market? Some recent labor statistics suggest it's not going well. I mentioned the Fed regional surveys, which absolutely had a horrible January. 2024 did not begin well for them. Maybe in light of a very disappointing Christmas season that could prove to be the last straw for this cycle. There are any number of monetary issues, which we'll continue to monitor those, and we'll talk about those in future videos. But for now, the bond market is behaving in a highly unusual way. Maybe it's a random fluctuation. It turns around, everything goes back as, the, as, as it would consistent with the historical pattern. 
But if it keeps going here and it breaks that pattern, that would be a crucial signal about what's coming next. Just a reminder, if you want to sign up for the webinar, there's a link in the description. Also, I did an interview with Hugh Hendry, the asset capitalist himself. That's the video I've got linked below. If you want to see the full video, you've got to become a Eurodollar University member or subscriber. And if you are one, I cannot thank you enough. And until next time, everyone, please take care.